we're coming to the end of the Holy Week. Last Sunday we talked about when the Lord was coming into Jerusalem and the process of coming in as king and he was celebrated. They would lay palm branches down in front of him as he came in and hail him king of kings. And then we know as he progressed through that day, it got for him, it got excruciatingly more and more painful from that high entrance to the times that he was falsely accused. He was beaten, if you'll remember. He was whipped with the cat of nine tails. He, had, he was taken and given the prisoner's sentence on the cross where he was nailed to a cross. And there he hung in, in, a, in a position of uh, before man, vulnerable, and poured out the very lifeblood that was in him, that poured out of his body down that cross to the, to the ground below. And all of the time we're thinking as humans, how can it be? How can it be? And we know that the enemy at that point, Satan was thinking, this is my victory. I'm going to defeat this one that I know has been sent here by Father God. And yet Jesus said, no man took my life from me. He said, I gave myself because I came for a purpose. And that purpose was to start a whole new covenant for everybody on the planet. And that covenant would be in my blood. You see, the Old Testament... The left part of your Bible had everything to do with a blood covenant as well, but it was based upon the blood of animals, of bulls, of goats, of lambs, of doves. And the, the blood would be spilt, poured out upon an altar, a physical altar in the temple. And then one day a year, this high priest would come in and make this blood payment to cover our sins or the people's sins for a year but when Jesus came, he said, I'm going to be the very last blood sacrifice required. And when he went to the cross, that was his purpose, that all of his life blood would pour out. And that poured out as payment for my sin. That poured out as payment for your sin. Do you realize that all of your guilt and shame and condemnation and sin has already been paid for before God? All we have to do is accept that by faith. There is a faith step required for us. And we know the story that he was crucified, taken down from the cross. It was getting ready to be Sabbath uh, as the sun was going down. And so they quickly put him in a tomb and put him there to go through the Sabbath season, which is by Jewish law, you would, were not able to do any kind of work. So they just left him in the tomb. And when they were coming back on the first day of the week to get to go ahead and prepare his body for full-time burial, when they came back, they found that the, the stone had been rolled away from the entrance of that tomb, and he was no longer there. You remember the ladies that came to, to get his body to prepare it for burial was asking a person there beside him, and she said, well, she thought he was the gardener and says, where have you taken him? If you'll tell me, I'll go get him. Just tell us where you've taken him. And the message behind her was a voice that came. It was very familiar. And he said, Mary. Just imagine that. 
You're standing there thinking all it's all over, hopeless. You're going after the one that you had put your whole life in, and it appears he's gone. And it looks like now someone's stolen his body. And as she's looking in there, there's the voice behind her that said, Mary. Very familiar voice. It was the crucified one who is no longer dead but is arisen. Not only did he pay for our debt of sin on the cross, he he rose victoriously over the enemy of all of us, and that's death. He defeated death on that day. The good news, he's the first fruit from the dead. He's the first to be to come from the dead to never die again. He's the first fruit. But there's going to be a whole lot more fruit coming after him one of these days. And you may be a part of that. You can be a part of that if you so choose to do so. So here's the story. A little bit maybe unusual on Easter Sunday to talk about what I'm going to be talking about. But the reality is that everybody in this room, kind of look around, will be dead in a hundred years. Everybody in here, we'll all be gone in a hundred years. Some will be gone much sooner. Others will be gone by accident, unprepared, unplanned. Some by disease. The reality is, though, we're going to face that. Scripture talks about it. Death is coming to every one of us. And we know that. I mean, we think in the early days that we're going to, we can't be defeated. We can do anything and everything. Don't mess with me. I'll show you kind of a thing. And then you get a little older and you begin to see things differently. You see fl- the life fly by in front of you so quickly. And the reality is, what's after this? What happens after we go through this process that Jesus went through on the cross of death. Ours hopefully will not be like that. But what happens right after we pass from this place and our life ends? Our heart stops, our brain waves go flat. What, what's next for us? Well, the scripture de- describes specifically two places. I'm going to look at the first one today. The Bible calls it heaven. Next Sunday, we're going to look at the secondary place called hell, and just look what the scripture tells us about these two items or these two places of eternity, and you'll want to know about it. Today's going to be a lot easier to hear than next week's is going to be able to hear, but they're both as equally true in scripture. So there is an eternal existence. I'm going to say this. I don't know if you might not know this, some of you. That this body is going to die. But it's kind of like an earth suit or a space suit, if you will. That's we put on and it helps to carry our soul for the length of time we're on planet earth. But that part of you that's called you, your mind, your will, and your emotions, the person of you inside of this earth suit is made for eternity. It is an eternal creation. So the question is, does that eternity put you in heaven or does that put you away from God in a place called hell? And that's what we're going to be looking a little bit at today. I want to show you what the Bible has to say specifically about heaven. Now heaven is for everyone in this room who at whatever point of your journey realized your sin condition. I'm broken 
at a level I cannot fix in myself. We try, we try to do good, we try to make good decisions, we try everything we can to try to get good enough, just doesn't ever work because of that sin nature. And when you get to that point, and then you hear the message that Jesus said, I came to die to pay for your sin, and all that you need to do is by faith receive me into your life. Ask me for the forgiveness. Ask me for the Spirit of God to come take up residence within you. And once you've done that, you've passed over from the Scripture calls it from death to life. And that's available for everybody in this room today. I want to show you what the Scripture talks about heaven. You're going to see it today that there is a present heaven and there is an eternal heaven coming. And I want you to see this. It's confused me at times in the past. But there is a present heaven and then there is a coming eternal present. We'll just talk about it today. <clears throat> present heaven is the place, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you immediately go into the presence of God. Immediately. From the last breath, you go to sleep here, you wake up there with Him. You're immediately in the presence of the Lord. It is, uh, I believe it is a real place. I believe it is a tangible place. I believe it is beyond our imagination, what is actually there when you immediately wake up and to be with the Lord. But I know this because it says, uh, uh, I think Paul wrote this, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Because there are some that believe you go, your body and soul's putting into a grave and you sleep there in that grave for like a thousand or until the millennial is over and then you're raised again. I, I don't think the scripture shows that at all. I think your body is put in that grave or that, the, it says from ashes to ashes, dust to dust of so the body. You know, we're made up of the elements of the earth. God formed us, if you'll remember, from the elements of the earth. And it goes back to that, but the real you has an eternity to go into. And to be absent from this body, if you know Jesus, is to immediately be present with the Lord. Some people are worried about death, are fearful of death. I think it's this easy. Because death was swallowed up in victory. When Jesus went to the cross, paid the price for all of that. He defeated the, the enemy of man. He defeated death. So if you're fearful of it and you know the Lord, you don't have to be. Because you go from this life to real life. Just like that. And it's such a great opportunity for us. It's an, and it is in the angelic realm. It's a fantastic place that Paul talks about. It's real. I think you're going to, it's tangible and real that when we go to be with the Lord. This present heaven also contains, think about this just a moment, a place that is now under construction. There is this present heaven where something is being built. It's a construction thing that we hear in Scripture that's happening right now. It's called New Jerusalem. It's being prepared. Jesus said, as it was recorded in John 14, 1 through 3, he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That was Jesus. In my Father's house are many mansions, are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. 
I'm going, remember, to do what? Prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back. I will come back. And I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a place being prepared, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it today, that blows my mind when you see what Scripture says about it. It's called the New Jerusalem, which is currently, right now, in present heaven with the Lord, and it's being built. We heard that in Scripture. It's being built for you. And it's going to come down one of these days out of heaven and will actually be placed on the earth. And I know that looks kind of weird, but when you hear the description of it, you're going to understand that it's a lot, somewhat like that picture. That's being built right now in the present heaven and will one day come down to this earth. John, you remember John who was on the Isle of Patmos, which was an island of basically a prison island. He was put there, and while he was there, the Lord gave him visions about what would be happening in the future. Here's how he describes this thing that's going to come down out of the heavens to the earth. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven... And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth, listen to that, first earth has passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a voice, a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and he will be him their God himself personally will be here so the present heaven is where you go immediately right now at, but when you die but it's in the presence of the Lord and it's a magnificent place but in that place he's preparing this new Jerusalem that will be coming down to this earth Let's look at this eternal heaven. Because the present heaven is eventually going to move to this planet. I know that sounds a little science fiction-y, but that's what the scripture talks about here. Now look at it. It's going to be on a restored earth. Where you know judgment, the, if we had time to get into what it, scripture talks about, it's going to happen on the earth. By the time of the wrath of God is over the earth, this earth will be fairly decimated. But it was going to be restored, renewed, and put back into its original condition prior to sin. God is going to recreate the heaven and the earth. And these bodies of ours, if we're still alive and remain when this happens, will be transformed just instantly. But if you happen to have died before that, remember your body, your earth suit, made of the elements of the earth, is going to break forth from that ground, transformed in, the, in a second, in the twinkling of an eye, and you'll be given your, the body that will be built, designed for heaven, to rule and to reign with Christ. It's magnificent, this beautiful picture that is before us. Paul wrote it like this, we will not all sleep. That means some of us are going to be here when this happens. But we all will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. For the trump will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable. You will no longer decay, get old. We will all be changed. And then Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Do you hear that? So when the Lord returns to the earth, he will bring all of those who have died before. So remember, they're not in the grave. They're not asleep there. They're with him. And when he returns, they're going to come with him. Those who have been, who've died before. And then and listen to this. According to God's own word, we tell you that we who are alive and remain, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with this loud command in the voice of the archangel and with this trumpet God of, uh, call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise up first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This new Jerusalem will come out of the present heaven and will descend upon a restored earth. The new earth will be the eternal heaven. And I, I would swear this would sound really weird if I wasn't finding this right here in Scripture. That this is going to happen like this. We know the decay. We know the sin damage of the earth. We see it. We see the pollution and everything falling apart earth-wise and political-wise, economically. And we even get to watch our own bodies in the process of decay. Imagine that all gone. And God restores it back to where it should be. Revelation 21, starting in verse 11. <clears throat> Listen to this. Use your imagination. Let, let your mind see. Okay, let your mind see it. It's shown with the glory of God. And it's talking about the holy city, New Jerusalem, that's going to come down. <clears throat> Will come down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewel. Like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, with 12 angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, get it in your mind, as long as it is wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, 1,400 miles. Think about it just a minute. 1,400 miles was one side of that square. And as wide, same width, and the same height. So it's a cube of 1,400 miles, if you can put that into your brain. He measured the, the wall, and it was... 144 cubics thick, about 200 feet thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. 
The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Then he goes on to name all of the stones. Then 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. If you can imagine, a large pearl in front of each gate. And the great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. So I wanted you to catch an image in your mind. What this looks like. This big event that's coming out of heaven. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Heaven. And I want to read you just a little section of what he, how he described it. A metropolis of this size, this cube, 1,400 miles square, wide, and tall. <clears throat> if it set down in the middle of the United States, would stretch from Canada to Mexico and from the Appalachian Mountains to the California border and 1,400 miles up into the sky. The New Jerusalem is all the square footage that anyone could ever ask for. We don't need to worry that heaven will be crowded. The ground level, if, you have, if it had levels, and we don't know, if the ground level of the city will be nearly 2 million square miles. Give you a little hint how that works. That's 40 times bigger than England. 10 times as big as France or Germany. Far larger than India. And then he says, and remember, that's just the ground level of this cube. Given the dimension of a 1,400 mile cube, if the city consisted of different levels, and if each story were a generous 12 feet high, the city could have over 600,000 stories. And if they were on different levels, billions of people could occupy inside New Jerusalem with many square miles per person. You ever thought of it being that big? That's huge. Thinking 1,400 miles high, that's 7,392,000 feet in the air. Airplanes can't fly over that. It's massive what the Lord is building for us. So when we get, start thinking about what's coming, and it, this new Jerusalem is being made by God himself for us, and we get pictures of it in Revelation, there are some questions that I've heard over the years I want to try to answer a few or let the scripture answer a few. First one is, what happens to us when we die? Ecclesiastes says, uh, the dust returns to the ground from which it came, but the spirit returns to God who gave it. I want you to hear this. That the death of a human spirit, it either goes immediately to the presence of the Lord or immediately separated from the presence of the Lord. You immediately go to be with the Lord or you are separated at that point. Luke chapter 16 verse 22, Jesus tells the story of two men. You will remember it if you know the stories. There was one... A very wealthy man, and then there was a very poor man named Lazarus. The reason I want to give you this story is because if you'll remember, both of them experienced death, and the scripture lets us peek into their life after they've died. And what we see is that they are both fully conscious and aware and awake and understand. Lazarus went to be with the Lord in the air, the rich man 
found himself in hell. And they were able to, the, one, the rich man was trying to negotiate with the poor man to go tell his brothers, go give their life to Jesus so they won't have to experience this place in hell. So I wanted you to see that there is an awareness at the, at the end of that, where we will be and what is happening. Luke 23, remember, Jesus was on the cross. He was dying. And do you remember the, the thief that was beside him? Remember that? And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The thief said to Jesus. And Jesus said these, these words, very interesting. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. He's speaking to that thief. You will be with me today in paradise. Looked up that word. It's very interesting. It come, it's a Persian word. And it means a walled park or an enclosed garden. And it was the same word used back when it described Eden. Amazing. Today you're going to be with me where I designed it to be like Eden. I'm going to take you back to my original plan. Without sin, without brokenness, without the demonic. And you're going to get to experience what it means to be in that place I've designed, initially designed for you that failed because of sin. Is that good news? It is if you know the Lord, it's good news. Because for me to die is for me to be with him. In paradise, just like that. Second Corinthians, Paul said, to be absent from this body is to be present with him. So immediately we go. Okay, what will happen when we get there is another question. Will we be judged? Because I've heard scripture talk about a judgment. Will we be judged at that point when we die? Well, it talks about, honestly, two different judgment events. The first judgment event is immediately after we die, and it is a judgment of faith. Basically, what did you do with Jesus? Have you, did you by faith receive Jesus into your life? If you did, you were immediately into paradise with the Lord. If you on this earth got busy and did other things and made them more important and never truly trusted your life to him, if that action of faith in you had had to say, no, I did not do that, then you would be separated from God. So there would be these two judgments. The first one is not based upon your works at all. Because we know this. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest any of us would boast. It's not by works so that man will not take credit in being good. So this judgment is not about your works, it's about your faith. Where did you put your faith and trust in this life? Then the Bible talks about a final judgment. Some call it the white throne judgment. And at this judgment, it is a judgment of works. Both believers and unbelievers will face the final judgment. The Bible indicates that all believers will stand before this judgment seat of Christ to give an account of our life. What have we done? This is, he put us here, he designed us, he gifted us, he gave us purpose. And the question will be, did you serve me? Did you give your life? And did you, did you follow what I've designed in your life? Here's what it says in Ephesians. 
excuse me, Romans 14. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself before God. So we do face that, that place where we will give an account for who we are, what we did with our life. This one is not of faith. This one is of works. I'll tell you this, your works do not affect salvation. That's a free gift that comes by God's gift to us through Jesus. But your salvation will result in works. And those works, also the scripture talks about giving rewards. So those works will be given rewards at this judgment. And those of us, have, if you've given your life to the Lord, you've given your life to fulfill the purpose he called you to, when you get there, there will be also rewards for your faithfulness to him. Because the scripture's full of that concept of reward in heaven. So, we've kind of looked at this thing that's coming right after this life. If you die, you go presently to be with the Lord in a place called paradise, just like Eden. And while that's done or being done, this earth is going to be restored back to its Eden condition and that new Jerusalem is going to come down on this earth. God is going to be here. He will, be the, he will rule all of the earth. And it's a fantastic, hopeful, full of life for eternity place where we get to be with him. In conclusion, Vicki, come on up. In Revelation 22, it says these words. It's at the end of all of the story. He says, listen carefully. He says, Behold. He's saying this to you. Can you listen to it as a personal message? Behold, I'm coming soon. Jesus said that at the very end of Revelation in chapter 22, verses 11 through 13. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. What have you done? He says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. I'm very symbolic here. Blessed are those who have washed their robes. That's the picture of us bringing our, our, our body, our life, with its sin to the Lord and saying, Lord, please forgive me. Wash me with the blood of Christ. And that washing removes our guilt removes the shame, removes the judgment, removes the condemnation. Those who have washed their robes, it's a beautiful picture. And the good news is none of us here deserved it. None of us. But the gift was for everybody. Whosoever will may come. Hey, that invitation is still today. And it may be for several of you today. You may come and receive this. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. Do you remember the one tree that they were supposed to stay away from the garden? What was it? Knowledge of good and evil. But it was, there was a second tree in the center. Do you remember what it was? Tree of life. If you eat of that tree, you have eternal life. And what he's saying here right now 
is you come back now and you get washed by the blood, I'm going to let you eat of that tree and you're going to have eternal life. Beautiful picture. And those may go through the gates into that city. If you're here today and you didn't realize that those are the things that were planned, that's coming, you didn't know that the Lord, what this day meant, that it meant that those of us who are dead in our sin could be forgiven and that we have the hope on the, of resurrection ourselves and to get to be in that place that's being prepared for us. You didn't know all that was going to happen. The good news is that offer is right here good for you today. And on this day, if you find yourself not in a right relationship with the Lord, you can before you leave here. See, this hasn't happened yet. That house is being built. That four square building is being built. He said, not with human hands. And it's going to be magnificent. We're going to take just a moment today because I think it's very significant. There are folks here today. You didn't know how you got here. You may have come here uh, not happy about it. But you may have gotten here because you needed to know God is doing everything in his power to get you to where your sin is cleansed and covered and forgiven. Because I got to talk about heaven today. Next week I'm going to talk about hell and it's the opposite end. That's awesome and this one's awful. But those are the two options and what I'm telling you, your pride will not get you there. Your rebellion will not get you there. But your brokenness and humility will if you'll just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Don't have much to bring to you, but my brokenness, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And he says, I already did. But then, Lord, I'm going to ask you to take control of my life. He says, I will. And his spirit then indwells you. From that point on, you will experience eternal life with him. Never be separated. But if you don't know that, I've got some counselors here today and I'm going to have them kind of stationed around the room so one will be close to you. Guys, you can go ahead and get in those spots if you will. And what they're going to do if you're wanting to get this figured out to make sure, just go to one of them and say, I just need to make sure my life's right. And they'll show you how and they'll walk you through how to receive that by faith. It's not a very complex issue. It's actually pretty simple. And we'll, these folks that will be here will be happy to show you how to do that. Lord, we thank you for what you've shown us in Scripture about heaven. It is such a relief for us to know that you've forgiven us. And that you've prepared a way for us to be right with God the Father. And you've prepared an eternity for us to be in your presence, to be in a place that's called paradise or Eden. We've often dreamed of that garden, that place without sin, without weeds, without thistles, without, without all the brokenness and condemnation of sin. We've dreamed about it, Lord, but you're, you're preparing that city and you're going to repair this earth back to your original design. Thank you, Lord, that you offer that to anyone who will give their life to Jesus. 
Lord, I pray right now through the power of your spirit, you're gonna speak to individuals. Some will know that they're not right. Give them courage to immediately go. Others are not sure. God, speak clearly to them to define their eternal position and condition so that, Lord, they'll not miss this great reward that you have prepared for us. Spirit, move among your people and have your way. And it's in Jesus' name.